0: Plenty of recruiting rumors out there for the Ducks. Some of them not as good. Some of them could be good. And there's a surprise visitor coming to the Husky game. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thanks so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe, please, if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody out there for continuing to support Locked on Ducks, which today is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. And we're talking recruiting today which means we have to talk about LinkedIn Jobs, the official recruiting sponsor here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. All that out of the way, and we get to bring on John Garcia, Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Nobody else I'd rather talk to. About recruiting. Don't tell Max I told you that. But uh, <laughs> you both have tremendous, tremendous insight, though. And John, it is great to have you back on the show in what is a, a busy week for for the minds of Duck fans, shall we say, with one thing and one thing only on their minds. Perhaps this be just a mild distraction to ease your mind a little bit. Think about something else, and then you go back into uh, what they call Husky Hate Week.
1: Yeah, it's it's a heck of a week. My goodness, uh, recruiting is always going to be a part of that, uh, especially when Washington is on the schedule. But yeah, it seems like we're we're talking Dante Moore. That's that's been the um, topic du jour to my inbox. Uh, I've I've talked about him on a few podcasts this week already. There is certainly some intrigue around this potential development. So let's dig into it.
0: Yes, indeed. By the way, I don't know what four is enough means on that uh, whiteboard behind you, but Oregon has won three straight against Washington, and I know that for Duck fans, four is most definitely not enough, and uh, four is not enough for a winning margin on Saturday. Lots of directions. I could go with that, but I'll stop wasting your time now. So a lot of people have been asking me, John, about Dante Moore, and he gets a crystal ball to... Michigan State there's still a number of them on there crystal balls it is for for Oregon what what's kind of happened here what's the latest on on Dante Moore as the Spartans are maybe trying to get back into the hunt
1: well look he's a Detroit kid um you know the the distance between Detroit and, and East Lansing is not incredibly far I haven't googled it yet but it's, a, it's it's less than an hour's drive as they say so naturally Dante Moore and Michigan State have been involved with one another for a very long time. Early in Dante's recruitment, uh, Sparty was a big factor uh, into it. But as he played patient, and and even Dante admits, his recruitment lasted longer than he thought it would initially, right? You know, it got really hectic. He delayed a few times. He probably thought he was coming off the board in the spring, didn't end up popping until uh, July, right? So late in the summer uh, when he picked Oregon uh, there on July 8th. Well, before that point, junior year into senior year, there was a lot of talk about the the Midwestern schools keeping him home. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Notre Dame, most notably Ohio State in there as well, um, until it expanded out. And in that transition from he's probably going to stay local to, oh, now everybody's involved for Dante, Michigan State picked up a quarterback commitment in Bo Edmondson in February of 2022. Well, what triggered all of this Dante conversation now is that Not only did Bo Edmondson decommit on November 2nd from MSU, but the conversation surrounding said decommitment is that MSU initiated the conversation. So the thought is you're not going to drop a quarterback that you've had committed for eight months and nine months unless you've got something bigger and better in mind. And naturally, from a quarterbacking standpoint, the number one quarterback in the country being in your home state would certainly satisfy that, hey, we upgraded Mentality. So naturally, a lot of questions started to come in from uh, from and around Dante's camp. But here's the thing. This kid is locked into the playoffs. Uh, He's at King High School. They're they're in the midst of it. Uh, He's fresh off of a huge game. uh, And he's really part of the reason why he committed in July was to focus on this senior season. So there is a thought that he's going to focus on that regardless of how much of this chatter is real with Michigan State. He's going to focus on uh, his his final ride there at at king high school trying to repeat as as state champions Uh, i think they finished the regular season seven and three so they're well on their way positionally towards potentially doing so uh so naturally as a duck fan you're like okay what does the schedule look like well assuming they lose this week at king high school you know we we don't want to see that from dante's perspective but let's play devil's advocate if they lose this week what does it look like relative to potentially getting on campus at michigan state well there's two home games left this weekend and next weekend so if you're an oregon fan you're keeping an eye on those visitor lists the next two weeks to 10 days and if there's no dante Moore there you feel really good about retaining his services but here's the thing beyond the tangible and and the tbd there's there's not a lot of smoke from the internal portion of this thing uh, dante hasn't said anything His folks, his coaches, his mentors haven't said anything, and confidence in Oregon is still high. Uh, That much we've confirmed this week. So a lot of this seems very preliminary, but like I said, when you basically push out a quarterback commitment and the top player in your state is a quarterback you've had a relationship with for a long time, there is uh, some worry there, at least from an optical perspective. But again, nothing from Oregon or from Dante has suggested that this is something for Duck fans to worry about. And again, I stress I stress how stressed Dante was at the end of this process. This was really drawn out for him, um, and there was so much finality towards him making that verbal commitment to Oregon that I think it would be a pretty big surprise if he ended up anywhere else. Now, playing that Devil's Advocate card again – something happens with Dan Lanning or Kenny Dillingham and that kind of scenario and that's that's a little bit more obvious and tangible of of uh, an alert or a worry meter for for duck fans to keep an eye on but unless something like that happens I'm I'm thinking Dante's in pretty good shape with Oregon and again that confidence in both directions is still pretty solid.
0: Yeah, when I talked to him a couple months ago at 7 on 7 and asked him what was appealing about Oregon, there was no hesitation. He went straight to Dillingham. It was Kenny Dillingham's my guy. Like that's, sure. that's my dude. Oh, no. That's the guy that he really likes and has a great relationship with. I'm sure he's, you know, obviously talked to and met with coach Lanning before, but it seems like that's kind of the whole key, which makes it even more fascinating to watch this off season to see if Dillingham is a candidate for other jobs, if he ends up taking or, or getting one, what could happen there. But does it feel to you like Moore is a guy who could sign in the early window in, in December after the regular season ends? Or do you think he he might draw it out with this late push from Michigan State to the regular signing period in February?
1: That would certainly present uh, two different schools of thought, right? From a worrying perspective, if he signs in December, you feel pretty good, right? Six weeks out, extremely comfortable with everything Oregon has presented. Presumably, these coaches stay in place and everything is is as he thought it would be with uh, with the ducks, and he sticks there. Um, or if he pushes it to February, I, I think then you're probably assuming something has happened with this coaching staff and or like you said, that MSU push is a little bit more real than than we're giving it credit for at least uh, on November ninth. So I, I think that that would be the very, you know, basic schools of thought, depending on when he signs. But again, right now, I would expect him to sign in December and, and be done with the process. There was, again, so much relief in being done in July, talking to Dante, even after the fact. And, and look, after he committed, you know, we were doing some features because he was our number one player in the country on SI. He said, look, people still call, you know, and, I, and I'm respectful with them. So he is, he's not, you know, blocking college coaches from his cell phone or anything like that. But two schools here, you know, the relief he had for committing because of the stress that it created and that natural focus on King High School during his last ride, uh, those two things just make me feel like if something's going to happen, it's going to be later rather than sooner, at at least something tangible with Michigan State or, or anyone else for that matter.
0: Well, there you have it, Duck fans. That is the latest on Dante Moore. There's a surprise visitor coming to the Washington game. You will want to hear who that is. We've talked about him before here on the show. Today's episode, though, brought to you by... Upside. If you want to go get cash back anywhere that you buy groceries dying out, then you've got to use Upside because inflation is hurting you and you have to find different ways to cut back. Upside is a great way to do that to help you get cash back on groceries. It's really easy. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer with whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business. Pay as usual with a credit or debit card and get paid. It's that simple. Download the free upside app. Use promo code LOCK to get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code locked. Combat inflation with upside. Go get cash back today. So this broke just before we came on here to, to record John and we were doing a little bit of scrambling and digging and verifying and watching and all that fun stuff that we do in what we I guess I guess you and I technically consider this a job, but it's not like a real, real job. You know, it's like a right. it's like a pretend it's like a pretend job of sorts. But David Hicks, five star defensive lineman, top defensive lineman on the interior in the class of twenty twenty three, if memory serves has verbally committed to Texas A&M, Oregon was in the running, and they're going to get him on campus unofficially for this Washington game. What do you make of that?
1: A ton, Spencer. This is a kid who already took his official visit to Oregon back in the summer months um, and has since made a commitment, right? So those two elements typically make you think, well, probably not going to get him on campus once more mainly because of, of the logistics right just financially getting from uh texas up to eugene on a whim seemingly uh feels like a big deal um but he's doing it and all of a sudden now the ducks have to feel like uh, they've got more than a puncher's chance to maybe make this flip and i think this is interesting in two different directions one oregon did a really good job independently of everyone else in this race right um it, as soon as it it, it took over. This is that, you know, Dan Lanning's coaching staff, Tasha Poi, this whole defensive group hit the ground running with Hicks and he showed a ton of reciprocation uh, with that interest uh, really throughout uh, the the beginning part of this year. I'd say the first six, seven months of the year, there was a lot of Oregon dark horse feel in this recruitment, though Texas A&M and Oklahoma were always kind of the favorites for Hicks. So that's one thing to, to monitor in this race. And then secondarily, Texas A&M has had a lot of decommitments. There's been a lot of fluctuation with that Texas A&M commitment list. They just lost another Mm. SI99 recruit in Anthony Hill. Um, A lot of folks are wondering how much the on-field product and or NIL promises or promises potentially not kept have contributed to some of the um, transition, if you will, from some of these recruits, but it's something to keep an eye on. At a minimum, a lot of these A&M commitments are doing some due diligence, whether it's visiting other schools, or decommitting altogether. So now that Hicks is officially doing that, I think it becomes that much more interesting. And, and looking into this Oregon visit, I see that uh, Oklahoma is likely to get him on campus this month as well. So now all of a sudden, this looks like I'm not just you know scratching an itch with Oregon. This looks closer to hey maybe I reset this whole thing with a decommitment. Um, that, that, again, that's just tracking the visits and the buzz that has been built over the last week or so. Uh, but now that you're visiting a couple different schools here down the home stretch, I think that creates a lot of worry with AM, especially given their season and some of the lack of staying power uh, on the recruiting front after that number one class. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Again, I think Oregon's done a really good job here with Hicks. Clearly, the communication has continued beyond that verbal commitment uh, to Texas A&M, and you get him on campus, uh, you confirm the trip, and once he's back in Eugene, and it, it's game on. It's game on for a potential late flip, which is something that Oregon is seemingly poised to be involved with on, on both ends of the spectrum, flipping other recruits and preventing other schools from flipping your own.
0: Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And if Hicks were to flip, that would be the bellwether recruit in the 2023 cycle. Defensively, you've got Moore and Dickey right now. Hopefully, they both stay committed. And if you add David Hicks in that mix, that would put Oregon into the top 10 nationally. They're sitting at 11 right now. I think they're in a, a really, really good spot. But still, there are areas where the 2023 cycle is is missing a player or two or three, perhaps. And one player that I would like to see the Ducks get after they got Iapani Lalaulu who is a four-star offensive lineman, right? And then they're going after Spencer Fano, who's kind of one of the biggest remaining offensive tackles on the board from a recruiting caliber standpoint. His commitment date is December 6th, so we're under a month away. He's down to – if correct me if I'm wrong here. This is why we bring you on. I like kind of know these things, but you definitely know these things. <laughs> BYU, Utah, Michigan – Oregon, the final four in, in the mix there, right? And where do the Ducks kind of stand amongst all the schools?
1: And then Clemson has joined the race. That's Clemson, the That's right yeah. involved here. So they're going to get a crack at him. He's going to take an official visit out to Death Valley, I believe here in the next couple of weeks. You recently saw Michigan and and really liked the appeal there. They had, you know, home sellout. Uh, and, and look, Michigan's old school, right? They're going to run the football, play balanced offensively. A lot of old linemen are, are going to like that presentation. And in terms of Fano, it seems like a couple schools are moving up and down the list. You know, obviously um, Oregon and Michigan getting the last two official visits is going to have those programs right in the right. thick of it. Clemson feels like a wild card, right? Last school to offer, last school to host them on a visit and the furthest away from, from his Utah home. So that one is a, a total wild card to me. Clemson can recruit nationally and, and we know they have reach everywhere Uh, But it feels relatively late in that recruitment. It felt like he was getting closer to making the final call here. Um, Simultaneously, the in-state schools seemingly don't have the same type of buzz, Um, particularly BYU, because now that this Clemson official visit is locked in in conjunction with a decision date, December 6th, it doesn't look like Final's going to return to Provo for an unofficial or official visit before the season wraps up. So it does look like BYU could be a bit on the outside looking in and Utah got them on campus earlier uh, in the season. Again, you're most familiar with your in-state programs, but the, the visits elsewhere of late uh, may have you trending elsewhere. So I think that'll be fascinating for Fano here down the stretch. I, I don't think I could quite call it yet. Again, that Clemson wild card is, is still out there lingering from an official visit perspective, uh, but we know Oregon's done a really nice job here in Michigan which looked like it was on the outside looking in a couple of weeks ago, I think has really entered the conversation to potentially grab this kid. So it does look like today Fano is more likely to leave his home state of Utah than stay in his home state, and that's not something we've talked about uh, of late with his recruitment. So it's, it's a bit of a breaking scenario to keep an eye on.
0: And do you feel like Oregon is in a good spot compared to a uh, Clemson or Michigan? Are they on equal footing there? What's kind of the vibe?
1: I think so. Uh, From a needs perspective, we we talked about the big need for Oregon up front in general, and they've hit on volume, right? Four different O-linemen have jumped on board. How many true tackles in that group? I'm thinking maybe one. Right. Most of these guys are built for the interior or they're potentially swing prospects or guys that are developmental. So still no true tackle prospects. So the Oregon appeal should still exist for Spencer Fano and Samson Okanlola alike, two of the, the top uncommitted recruits out there at, at offensive tackle.
0: Yeah, Lalaulu listed as a, a guard, and then the other offensive lineman that, that Oregon's got committed, Lipe Moala and Bryce Bolton, uh, the, the pair of three stars out of the state of California, both project as interior offensive linemen as well. So still looking for that tackle position. Obviously, you've got Connerly, that's your left tackle, the future once T.J. Bass leaves, and then you got Jackson Powers-Johnson, looks like he'll be the next center, Marcus Harper, but then the other pieces, it's really up in the air. And so I, I think that a guy like Fano, you could go make a pitch and say, you can come here and compete for the starting right tackle slot, because I believe big solid is out of eligibility after this year. I know Ryan walk is done in the interior. Lots of, lots of turnover at that position. That's more uh, off season conversation though, but still more to get to with John, including this strange tie we're now seeing between Oregon and Louisville on the recruiting trail. Not something I've said before, but we're going to talk about that. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for betting sports info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. Don't forget about my personal favorite, golf, of course. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. So now, John, let's turn to this uh, interesting tie between Oregon and Louisville on the recruiting trail. I don't think Oregon's ever played Louisville in football, at least not in my lifetime. They played them in basketball in 2016 when... Uh, Louisville went on to win the national championship. That was the Kevin Ware year. That might have been 2014, actually. Yeah, that was like 2014, 13 or so, whenever they won. Not a lot of ties here, but all of a sudden, Louisville's got a commitment by the name of Jamari Johnson, who's verbally committed to the Cardinals, but Oregon is interested. On the other side, Cole Martin, the son of Demetrius Martin, Oregon's DB's coach, is... Interested in Louisville, took took a visit there to the Cardinals. So let's start with, with with Jamari Johnson. What kind of player is he? First, for those who don't know, and then what what's kind of going on here with Oregon's sudden interest?
1: Well, Johnson's kind of the the trendy riser uh, among senior tight ends in this class of 2023. Massive kid, 6'5", 255. I mean, they hand him the ball, they throw him the ball. He can play defense, he can play basketball. He's uh he's a TBD, a blank slate uh that that is going to become athlete. Uh, he's athlete. Uh, he's an athlete. And he wants to be known as an athlete. I think that was like his last tweet. He was like, look, man, I can run the ball, label me as as a jumbo athlete. So obviously uh advantageous uh from, from a, a recruiting standpoint, right? You're going to see a lot more attention. So Oregon comes in with an offer, I believe earlier this year, and he takes an unofficial visit up to Eugene. This is an Inglewood kid, so a SoCal kid takes a visit up to Eugene, and it's it was kind of on the low, and there was just not a whole lot of talk about it. He didn't want to talk about it a lot, according to our buddy Max Torres. But he finally opened up, and he said not only was it a great trip, but now there's talk of an official visit to Oregon to maybe wrap up his entire recruitment before the early signing period. So now if you're a Louisville fan, Oregon becomes the top threat to potentially flip Johnson before all is said and done. Uh, Louisville's got – a great class uh, of twenty twenty three on board. NIL is, is is growing over there in reputation, um, and they've hit the West Coast in particular. Of course, the state of California has I think three or four Louisville commitments right now. A few of them are are on the ropes a little bit from a commitment standpoint. DeAndre Moore, the receiver, and now Johnson. The tight end uh, as other schools try to circle back and, and win these recruitments but louisville did a really good job of galvanizing you know kids from certain areas and and SoCal is their number one pipeline in this class of 2023 not the conventional but again um it, it's something that has been built through off-season momentum and and it's carried into the season itself all those guys i think are still on board with the cardinals so it'll be fascinating to see if they can hold off schools closer to home for for some of the west coast prospects in particular
0: yeah eight blue chippers in the class for louisville in 2023 they're top 20 nationally that's uh that's as john gruden once told teddy, teddy bridgewater a, a basketball school turning into a little bit of a football school there yeah i mean that's uh i mean good for the cardinals but
1: but you gotta hold that, on
0: y- yeah yeah you gotta yeah. hold on uh, of course and it's especially strange you'd think that it's such a random school, not just in that their their football team has been you know up and down. They've had some good years, of course. They produce Lamar Jackson, who has turned out to be a decent football player, I suppose. And but they're recruiting so out of the state of California. That's what's shocking to hear from from me. But that that's definitely a situation worth following. But they're coming after one of Oregon's guys too, second highest rated corner in the 2023 class for the Ducks, Caleb Presley out of Rainier Beach is is number one, but Cole Martin is right there at number two. He's one of the first commits in the 2023 class for the Ducks. I think he was the second or or the third, but he took an official visit to Louisville. What are you hearing on that front? Is there any danger of him getting flipped?
1: Yeah, it feels similar like what we just talked about with Johnson. Uh, they came through with the scholarship offer. He reciprocated with a visit out that way, and, and once he took the trip, which was in conjunction with a few of those West Coast, Louisville commitments, he started to see why it, it's become kind of a trend. Uh, he's mentioned Nil relative uh, to Louisville. Look, state of California allows it in high school before anybody comes comes from my uh, Twitter handle that Spencer so eloquently uh, projected here on the screen.
0: And I know you know a little
1: bit more of fluid when you talk about it uh, in the state of, of California or on the West Coast in general. he's, he's uh, playing in Arizona uh, this year. So Martin took the trip out. Uh, to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and he really liked it. Again, he resonated with what, what uh, they've been selling. There is an opportunity potentially for him to play early out there in the ACC, which is uh, a little bit more pass-happy than uh, we would think conventionally compared to to the Pac-12 or even the Big 12. Uh, so it's something that is attractive from a quarterbacking standpoint. But again, as you mentioned, son of an Oregon coach, it's really hard, especially having been, like you said, the first or second commitment on board understand understandably going through the process with some due diligence probably something he talked to his dad about hey you know you always need to have uh, other options in case things change right um oregon has been so good this year that even though it's a first-year coaching staff there's a lot of conversation about uh, multiple coaches on this coaching staff starting at the top with dan lanning so there's always some due diligence that that is to be taken uh, when there's such a quick rise or quick turnaround through a coaching transition. So it could just be that uh, Cole's going to say the right things on both sides of the coin here. But I, I think having taken the trip and having come back uh, out to the West Coast, still being committed to the Ducks, says a lot because it's been a couple weeks, right? It was a late October uh, trip out uh, to ACC country. So I do think that's good news for Oregon's chances to to keep an eye uh, to keep him in the class. I should say, and again, circling back with some folks in that part of the country, they, they do feel relatively confident in, in Martin sticking around as much as Oregon wants him to.
0: Well, that sounds like uh, good news for the most part. Uh, r- real quick, John, as we as we wrap up our recruiting discussions today, those big five-star names who we've mentioned copious times here on on the show, I'm not tired of talking about them yet. I won't be sure. until we figure out where they go. Impemba, Mateo, now Hicks is in, the mi- is in the mix as well, or back in the mix, I should say, with a with and having some, some turmoil around their program and questions about Jimbo and, and whatnot. What do you think the chances are that Oregon is able to get one of those three guys?
1: Well, look, we're still going to put the highest odds on Uwe lay just from a geographical perspective and a familiarity standpoint, right? A kid who who plays with all those Louisville commits at St. John Bosco High School in, in, in SoCal, but so familiar with Oregon, uh, both both pre-transition and especially post-transition. I think it's worth noting, you know, I, I know I've said this on the show, but, you know, his father told me, hey, Oregon and USC kind of assumed they were gonna stay in the race under their previous administrations. These two new administrations at those schools have re-emphasized the the priority level of Mateo, and that, according to his dad, is what has kept Oregon and USC in the race. Uh, So there was an assumption that they would stay in it, but at one point it looked like it wasn't gonna happen, and he was bound to leave the West Coast footprint altogether. That is not the case anymore, and again, still feels like USC, Oregon, Ohio State, the, the most three are the three most likely destinations for U- Uyangalale who's still not confirmed a true decision date. So we assume it's ah. gonna at least until mid-December. Uh, so mm. take that h- how you how you would like uh, and spin that how you would like. Impemba uh, still, still total wildcard play for Oregon. Um, there there hasn't been a lot of buzz for a lot of programs with him of late. But I think uh, Georgia's the one I've heard the most recent amount of buzz on. But again, it's quieted it's down to a certain degree lately. He's he's somehow flying under the radar of late uh from the visiting perspective. Uh and now with Hicks coming back to campus, punchers chance, right? Uh you love where you stand in that standpoint. Uh there is familiarity there. So you can focus on maybe some of the last few questions that the Hicks camp needs to have answered in Eugene as opposed to showing him or introducing him two elements of the program or the facility or whatever. So I think that could be interesting uh, from the Hicks perspective, because clearly he's doing a lot of due diligence, more than any of these other kids that we've been talking about with multiple visits confirmed to schools not named Texas A&M. So that's certainly the one to keep an eye on the closest, especially with the visit upcoming. But long-term, I still think Uyonglele is the guy to, to focus on the most.
0: Why would Impemba want to go to Georgia? We took Landing. That's, you know, I mean, Landing was the mastermind behind it all. Kirby's just completely rudderless without Dan Landing there. I think we've seen that all season long, yeah. or perhaps not. But we always have clear direction with John Garcia, Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated and our recruiting expert here at the Locked On Network. John, we appreciate it. As always, all the Duck fans give a lot of great reviews every time you come on, so we appreciate it.
1: Happy to hear it. Thanks for having me back on, Spencer.
0: I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day talking all Washington tomorrow and go ducks.